Hello and welcome back to Innovators. We have a bonus episode this week. I am very excited to share that Jeff Nadu is back. What's up, my man? How you doing? Pretty good, man. Thanks for having me as always. Thank you. Yeah, this is this is great, dude. Uh, I'm super excited to talk to you. As you know, I'm a big fan of yours. Been following you for a while. Uh, if you guys don't know, he hosts a great podcast about uh, mafia history. It's called The Sit Down. And uh, that's available everywhere, right? That's not just uh, exclusive to one site. No, nah, no, nah, you can find it anywhere, wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Pods. We have it everywhere. I have a YouTube channel as well that I do uh, mob content on. And I, I just kind of tried to create an avenue for, for all different types of, of mob content. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's great, man. And um, that's why later on we're going to talk about a, a couple things with uh, with mob movies, a couple shots that famous mob movie directors have taken at comic book movies. I definitely want to see your take on that, but we're going to get to that in uh, in the movie segment so you guys can learn about what Jeff's in, uh, hobbies and what kind of movies and shows he likes uh, outside of The Wire, because we all know that you love The Wire. Um, yeah, but yeah. I'm sure that's going to be in your top five favorite TV shows. I'm guessing it's number one. I guess you'll have to wait and see. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Uh, okay. So real quick, before we get into any of that, uh, last time I talked to you, you were prepping for Rough and Rowdy. And now it's been, you know, several months since your fight. And so basically a couple of things I want to know. One, do you still train at that gym at all? Yeah, you do? Yeah, so I, I still – I train every every day. I do cardio. I lift. I do all that stuff. I still do boxing training. I do it three days a week. I, um, I, I didn't really – the truth was I didn't – I don't think either of us spent a ton of time on actual training for boxing. I guess for me, like, I've seen those fights, and, like, for me, I just felt like I wanted my cardio to be in absolute shape. Yeah. Um, yeah. but you know, we didn't spend a ton of time in boxing training. It's not like me and my opponent fought, you know, we don't fight on a regular basis. That's not really our thing, but, um, you know, ultimately there's a lot of things I didn't do right with it. I looking back, feel like if I'd have just did one or two things different, I'd have won the fight. So, um, I think if I ever got the opportunity again, which I doubt I will, but you never know. Um, I, I just enjoyed doing it. it. It was a fun kind of cardio and, and, you know, I kind of liked it. So I kept doing it and I feel like, um, it's funny because I sparred twice and I was hit more times than the fight itself. No so, way. Wow. Yeah, for sure. I, I gotta be honest. Like, I think I might've been hit one actual time in the head during the fight. And yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah I, I just didn't I, really, I didn't really feel much. So yeah, ultimately it was, um, it was a fight that I think both of us would like over, but at the end of the day, uh, yeah, I continued to train and, and have a good time with it. How fast did that fight go by, dude? Was that just like a blink of the eye? well you know it's 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 kind of a something you can't really describe like just the whole the whole you know few minutes because honestly during the fight itself like we were one of the last fights so I kind of just sat in the the dressing room by myself the whole time I, I was just ready for it to happen it felt like forever till it was going to go on and then once it was time to go on they, they came in back and said all right get ready let's do this and um you know by the time you're in the ring it's so fast. It's like a whirlwind by the time, you know, you're done. And the goal, you just, you don't want to get knocked out. Like that was my only goal. Like I didn't really, I don't think ultimately like winning really mattered. Like winning was cool. I wanted to win, but 
I really just wanted to go in there and just have a decent time with it and, and not look stupid. And I felt like at the end of it, for the most part, I thought I looked better for most of the fight. There was one, and I always remember the last 15 seconds of the first round. I think it was the only reason I lost the fight, quite honestly, because I thought the rest of the fight I, I did all right in. It was like the last 10 or 15 seconds. I just, I put my hands down and I kind of looked and, and was in some bad spots, but Ultimately, it went very quick, and uh, those aren't really fights. I mean, it's just a scrap for for three minutes, and whoever looks the best wins. Yeah, exactly. It's like a like a backyard brawl type of thing. Yeah, but um, exactly. but uh, I do want to ask about Jersey Jerry. But a lot of the times when I hear or listen to people who train in boxing, they say they do it more so for what they get out of it in life. Like they don't really like to spar, but they like to learn the basics of boxing and it helps, you know, discipline, patience, timing, uh, all types of things. Do, 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 do you see that translating into your life since you've learned these new skills? Uh, well, I think um, for me, I, I just, I, I kind of just want to have the preparation. I didn't really do it to learn how to fight. I just did it because I was sick of running and, and lifting weights. So I thought I'd do something different. Yeah. Um, I, I was kind of disappointed in the overall fight itself because I had kind of learned a lot more. We had some issues with the trainer being allowed in the ring that night. And I think that ended up being a lot of the problem. Cause if I'd have had my trainer in there, I, I think he would have said to me in the third round, look, all you got to do throw an uppercut, man, this kid's fucking gone. Uh, he's dead. Throw an uppercut. You win the fight. But you know, it is what it is. Um, as far as that, you know, it's funny. I find myself a little bit more, um, Look, I'm not going to say I pick fights. I don't do that. But I do mm -hmm. find myself a little bit more confident that if I were to have to defend myself, I could do it. Yeah. Um, but I, I definitely, over the last, you know, since the fight, it's been almost five months since we fought. And I definitely feel like I've learned a lot. If I ever fought again, like I said, it'd be a lot different. Because the biggest um, hurdle in those fights is, you know, getting in the ring for the first time. You can't really describe. I remember Dave Portnoy said to me, there's nothing like this. You can prepare all you want, but at the end of the day, you can be the greatest fighter on earth. But if you've never been in a fight in a ring, you're not going to be prepared. And they were hundred percent right with that. Getting in there. It was a, uh, it was a feeling I've had unlike any other. So oh, yeah, I think I'm a lot more prepared and I think, you know, really just my whole weight loss in general and getting into better shape has completely changed my, my life and my thoughts on, on pretty much everything. Yeah, man, I do got to shout you out for that. You are really an inspiration to a lot of people, and that is another topic I want to get to. But before we get to that, uh, speaking of you and Jersey Jerry, right? Now, I, I know how the, the riff started. It was over a tweet, and you were just, you know, making a comment, and then, you know, it led up to you two fighting. And, you know, when, when you guys are in fight camps, people talk shit. It's just the way it goes. But after you fought someone – there's got to be somewhat of a mutual respect, I assume. Oh, uh, yeah, I think there definitely was. I mean, you know, I think I, I've always said, and, and Jerry, I think Jerry would agree. Like, I don't think Jerry and I ever hated each other. Um, right. I, I didn't even know who Jerry was until he 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 made that ridiculous comment on Twitter. And that was <laughs> yeah, that really, was it was ridiculous. It was. And he we were pretty, <laughs> he, he was pretty new at that point. I think he had just gotten hired about a month before. And, um, you know, I think Jersey Jerry is a lot smarter than, than people give him credit for. He realized that by fighting, he was going to be thrown into 
um, you know, a whirlwind. He was going to be thrown into something that, you know, took his profile and, and made it huge. And it worked out considerably for him. I, I think it's, a, I thought it was a great idea. Um, you know, when you look back at, at the things that, that Jerry did, I think that was what put him on the forefront of, of just kind of barstool. You know, he had oh. just gotten hired uh, real quick. Uh, he just gotten hired and he had, you know, kind of been looking for something to kind of tie into. And, you know, I'm sure if you look at his Twitter followers, I'm sure it, it, it went up considerably since, uh, since his fight. So, um, yeah, I thought it was good for him. He wanted a, a kind of something that he could latch on to. I mean, you look, this is kind of, this is crazy. So think about it like this. So you look at Jerry way back. I mean, he, he had you know, what, 10, 12,000 followers. Now he's up to 120, you know, stuff like that allows someone to really kind of be thrown into the, to, to the spotlight. And I think it helped us both. I mean, I was trending, he was trending. I mean, we, we did good for each other. We made a lot of money. And after the fight, he was gracious to me. I was gracious to him. I haven't That's really good. talked to him since the fight. I don't, you know, it seems like he's doing okay and I wish him the best. And, uh, you know, I think he maybe hated me a lot more than I hated him. I never really hated him. And that was the big, that was really the problem looking back on the fight, man, is that when you fight somebody in those kind of fights, like I, I wanted that, I, I want to hate the person. I, I didn't yeah. ever hate Jerry. So it, it was hard. Yeah. Well, I, I understand that. And there there's, you know, tons of these YouTube boxing events happening. There, there's there's another one happening soon. I don't know if you ever heard of the H3H3 podcast. And uh, one of their producers is fighting in the fight. And he talks about that exact thing. He's like, I have nothing against this guy. You know, yeah. I, have, I have nothing against this guy at all. So yeah, it, I mean, it does I, make I it guess, a little tough. I guess by the time the fight got here, like I was, he had said some things. I had said some things. Um, but, you know, for me, ultimately, it really just was about, trying to do it and, you know, doing it and, and making money out of it. So, I mean, if I ever fought again, I'd only fight one person and I know, you know that would be that, but you know, I, I don't, I don't have any inquisitions that I'm ever going to fight again. You know, if it happens, it happens. Listen, um, when, when you're talking about Jersey, this putting him on the map, it did because, you know, I'm not the biggest stoolie in the world, but I do follow Barstool Sports and I never, heard this guy's name until your tweet that's the first time i ever heard jersey jerry i was like who's that so oh. it definitely launched him and the same thing kind of with billy football because when he fought jose canseco you know he got way more popular so it, it is uh, an avenue to get people on the map it is and i look at i look back at like my ability to always, you know, create something for myself. I mean, you can hate me all you want. You cannot like me. You cannot like what I do. You can think I'm a shitty gambler, whatever. But at the end of the day, I've created a platform and created all this for myself. I mean, no one gets the kind of money I get to fight random. Like that doesn't happen to a lot of people, you know, you, you can knock me all you want, but at the end of the day, I made it an avenue for myself to not only get to that company and work there, but also to after the fact, leave the company uh, and still create another six-figure opportunity for myself uh, and, and create a profile. So I think at the end of the day, like, I'm very proud of it. I'm happy that I was able to do it. I owe them a lot for giving me the opportunity. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I think if, if you know anything about Barstool, that's a sheer fire way to really fly yourself into the spotlight. And with the money mm -hmm. that they're paying now um, to fight, it's, it's something that if you can sell the fight, which we definitely did, um, you know, you, you can have uh, have a good time with it. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of that, I, I, I was going to ask you if you would fight again. So I know you've kind of answered that you would. 
And obviously there's, you know, one guy, which would be a huge event. If you ever fought Rico, that would be massive. I mean, it would break all the records they ever, don't you agree with that? How big it would be? Yeah. I mean, we've, we floated the idea. I mean, it's been put out there before. I mean, we, we've been kind of talking about this for forever. I mean, yeah. this was brought up like three years ago. We were offered a fight. Um, they offered us a lot of money. He declined. Um, you know, I, I don't, I guess I'll never get it. You know, I would fight. Um, I mean, I, I would fight a member of ISIS. I mean, if it, if it meant that I was going to make a lot of money, you know, I, I agree. I, I don't agree. have any squabbles. I would fight Mike Tyson. I would fight Conor McGregor. I don't, Look, I can, my, my bruises will heal, but you know, for me, this is about money at the end of the day. This is about providing an event. And to be quite fair, I don't like Rico. I, I, you know, he's one of those people that is, and I don't think a lot of people understand some of the things that he really did to me. And I, I felt like he was pretty integral in creating kind of the problems that I had at Barstool. I mean, he made it very difficult. A lot of people don't really get what happened behind the scenes and how it all worked out. So I have some real, uh, you know, vitriolic hate for him. And, and, you know, if we can make a, an event happen, yeah, it would rival most high-end boxing or UFC events. Um, that would be enough so, for me. Dude, it would, it would, that would sell so many fucking pay-per-views. It'd be insane. And yeah, I mean, we would do, I mean, we would do millions and millions of dollars. And oh do, yeah. Yeah. We'd probably be able to command a million dollar purse like that. It's that simple. It's, you know, really and that's is. something for me where if I'm looking at him, like, I don't, I don't understand why he wouldn't do it, but. Well, so listen, I, I know nothing about the guy, you know, I've, 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 I've talked with you once before. And I, 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 I'm not saying I know who you are, but like, I get the kind of guy you are and I respect you. And uh, I feel like we share certain similarities in our human characteristics, but I feel that if there's anybody that Rico feels like is like stepping on his turf or like say a gambler goes on a hot streak and they're getting attention that he tries to like bring them down by getting other people to go against them. It just, it seems like the way he kind of is. Yeah. It's um, I mean, at this point it's become, you know, just, I don't even really get into it anymore just because it's, you know, we all know the kind of dude he is. I mean, he's, He's a, he's a guy that, that, that constantly hides behind everything else. He hates people's success. He doesn't want to see anyone succeed. He's a me guy. Um, but yeah, I, 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 unfortunately, those are the kind of people I don't, I don't want to be around and I'm going to call out and, you know, we've seen kind of the kind of guy he is over the years. So I, I don't, you know, he knows where I'm at, you know, they know where I'm at if they want to fight. I mean, I, you would think he probably thinks he can beat me after what he saw, but um you know, we'll see if he ever steps up. He doesn't, he looks at it as he doesn't want to give me a spotlight, even though I've created a spotlight for myself this whole time. So yeah, I I don't know why he wouldn't do it. He can make a quick Millie uh, probably. And and that's, that's the truth. Uh, And he could provide for his family, which is something he should definitely want to do. And that, that bullshit with the can that he tossed at at that poor guy, man, that could have really fucking hurt that guy. He hurled that can. That well, was ridiculous. He yeah, he um, but but that listen, he's a guy that um, he, I've always mentioned people like this. He's the kind of guy that only gets tough when he knows it's gonna not gonna get too far. Like he attacked me outside of the the interview at Rafferati. Yeah. Like yeah, he, I saw that. 
he did that because he knew that like he was never going to hit me. He was never going to do anything. He just he wanted to make a big problem out of something. We saw the kind of guy he was when I showed up in New York for for the Cyber Monday thing. He hid inside the office. That that's the kind of guy he is. And you know he throws a can. You're right. It could have hurt somebody. And he's lucky it didn't because if he'd have connected with with him, oh, he man. wouldn't be, he wouldn't be working at Barstool. It's that simple. They'd have, they'd have got rid of him. You can't. You, you, uh, you can't. Hit him in the eye or something like that. If you hit him in the eye, like, come on, man, that's dangerous. Yeah. And, and, you know, you're dealing with, at the end of the day, you're dealing with like an assault at that point where you you can go over like someone saying stuff or or whatever, but when you start assaulting people, then, then you have a, then you have a problem with with HR and yeah, he would have been fired hundred percent. Yeah. I don't understand how he's not by then. Cause then he, he came back and then like within a couple days, he storms out. I saw it on one of the stool scenes. It's like, well, he hasn't dude. been fired because he has a relationship with people that are high up at the company. He, people carry his water like big cat. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they make excuses for him. And, and I have no problem saying it. I like Dan. Dan is a friend. He's a guy that, you know, vouched for me with Dave. He's always been cool to me, but the truth of the matter is he is vouched and allowed people to do things. Look, the way I was treated at Barstool is laughable. It's pathetic. Um, they should have told him to, to basically fuck off and, and you can't sabotage other people. I guess I would ask Barstool is how they allowed a basketball podcast separate of mine to be made um, and put all the resources into it. I don't understand that. It didn't make sense. It allowed me to kind of fail because I could only do so much. Um, they have no other show that has that happening to them. They that That would, it's, why would you, if you have a show about football, why would you put another football show out to kind of rival it? I mean, yeah. why not just work together? And if we'd work together, you know, one of the problems we're seeing now is they have no success with their college basketball content because None. The people doing it aren't good at it. And, you know, at the end of the day, if, if it were me and Jake and maybe someone else or, or whatever, we all just work together. Um, it would have been a great show that would have lasted instead, you know, it failed and they are where they are. And it stinks because, you know, I'm, I miss good college basketball shows. I'm a, I'm a college basketball. I went to the temple, but um, my whole family roots for Nova. So I kind of like root for both. I know you're not supposed to, but I don't really have that much school spirit for temple. So it doesn't matter. So I root for Nova, but when I'm thinking about that situation where you guys could have had a better show together too, and it just, it just doesn't make sense, man. I, I just don't understand. I mean, at the end of the day, it's about the, the viewer and the listener, though. And, and the problem you have is people have put that in front of th- their own opinions on people in front of the success of a show. Look, I don't like every person I've worked with in the past. I've had hosts I, I hate working with, but you know, I do it because I'm asked to do it. And, and that's what the audience wants. Um, I would work with whoever I needed to to make a show successful. And you know, for whatever reason, um, the listener is second when it comes to him. That's just how he is. And do, do you know what's embarrassing too about their college basketball show? It happened this year. It was it was before the season started when they they were doing the uh, top twenty five rankings, right? And someone calls in because Marty said Gonzaga doesn't deserve to be number one, and they call in and say, "Hey, Marty, can you name anyone on Gonzaga?" And he goes, "No." So, like, he's just making a blanket statement without doing any research on actually if they did deserve to be number one or not. And it's just, it's like, 
how can you be working for you know one of the most popular sports companies in America, be on a college basketball show and not know any names of the players on Gonzaga? It's come on, man. Yeah, it I, look, I've, sense. yeah I've talked about this before. I'm not going to talk about Marty. I mean, him and I have an okay relationship at this point. Um, uh, listen, I, I'm always here if they want help. Um, you know, I was there when I when if they wanted help. Uh, yeah. I don't really know what else to say. It, it's it's a shame. It is what it is. I worked a long time to get to where I was, and you know, you know, what are you gonna do? Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we got plenty more to talk about. So uh, let's let's get into more stuff. Now, speaking of uh, health and fitness, we brought this up earlier. You are really really big on uh, intermittent fasting and talking about how effective it is. So how difficult was it to actually like get into that routine where your body accepted, okay, this is when I eat and this is when I don't eat. How hard was that? Uh, for me, it wasn't particularly hard. I, I'd kind of already done it. I just ate at a lot of bad times and I, the fasting only was during the day at night, I would just eat, 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 eat. So that was kind of an issue, but you know, for me getting up and, and not eating until two or three o'clock is, is fine because I get up a little bit later than most people. And, you know, for me, I just kind of deal with it, but, you know, I think initially for like a week, it was tough, but then you just start doing it. And the big thing for me was like late, like seven, eight o'clock. Once I eat, you know, at like nine, 10 o'clock urging to not eat again. And that, that was the big thing for me. Once you get past it where your body doesn't crave sugar and you don't need to eat, um, you know, then, then you start to really uh, have success with it. It was particularly hard for me. I've started to kind of ease back a little bit on it. You know, I didn't drink for the longest time. You know, I drink one night a week now and, and, you know, I eat a little bit later than I should, but I don't, once you get into a swing of it and you start to see success, you know, you don't really uh, have any interest in, in doing anything different. Well, that's, it's, it's good to hear that because I, I was actually expecting you to say it was difficult at first to, to get used to it. Now I notice, and I'm sure you have too, that a lot of people are hitting you up on Twitter being like, yo man, like, thanks. Like this is working for me. Uh, I'm losing weight. It's, it's staying off. Now, how much weight did you actually lose again? Um, I'm down about 130 pounds. I, um, and, and that's the thing, you know, your goal is always to help other people. And yeah, if you see someone else doing it, you know, you're probably more inclined to want to do it. So yeah, I'm glad I've been able to help people. You know, it's important that we take control of our health because you know, at the end of the day, it's really the only thing we have control over. And you know, I didn't want to be 30, you know, 35, 40, 45 years old and have weight problems. And, you know, I really wasn't living the best life that I should be living. You know, I'm a lot more confident. I'm a lot different when I go out. I, I just act a whole lot different. I have a lot more zest and zeal to wake up every day. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people rode that, you know, I know when I was like that, I wasn't happy. You know, I didn't have particularly good relationships. I was constantly negative. Um, you know, I, I think you have a whole different lease on life once you start realizing that life's more than just, you know, sitting in your house and not doing anything. I, uh, yeah. I owe a lot to it. I've, uh, I've dealt with depression and when you are in a negative mindset, everything sucks everything so if you can turn your your brain around to start thinking positively it really does change your outlook like even just waking up it's 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 so much easier if you have a positive outlook so 
if you guys are out there looking to get into this, I would, you know, I would definitely highly suggest it because I'm seeing a lot of people saying it's working that they're thanking Jeff and you got, you got to really feel, you know, pretty accomplished about that, that you're actually really helping people. Yeah. It's got to feel mean, great. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, I wanted to help myself, but then now it's okay. How can I help other people? And look, mm. I, I know people can act like they are okay being like that, but the truth of the matter is you're not happy. You're not okay. And you know, you deserve a better life for yourself. So only you can change it. You know, I can help you. Um, you know, but it's the one thing that you are the only one that can control. I mean, it's not like a drug habit, really. I mean, you know, you know that it's not good for you. Um, but you can either keep doing it and making excuses, or you can go out and actually change. That's why for me, you know, sometimes I don't quite understand addiction because it, it really is about you wanting to do it. Um, at the end of the day, the, the making excuses for why you can't do it is really just an excuse. And I think they're all different addictions, whether it's sex or food or drugs. Um, you, you have to want to change. You have to want to do it. So um, you either do it or don't. And uh, I did it and I'm happy I did. And that's actually a really interesting way to look at addiction. That's I really appreciate those words. That that makes a lot of sense what you just said. Well, I, so, I think sometimes people can say like, oh, you're not, you're not being, you know, kind to people, whatever. But look, the truth is like when someone does drugs, you know, for the first time, you know, they made the decision to do that. Just like anything you do. Um, you know, I talk a lot about um getting into crime. You know, some people get into crime and you know, obviously you feel bad for them getting into crime, but the truth is they got into crime. You know, it's not easy to live a straight way. It just isn't. I mean, it's it, a lot of people struggle, but there's a lot of people that do it and they're better for it. You know, my own father, my grandfather, like all people that I know, they, they got into things and, 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 and it worked out for them. You know, anytime you do something negative, there's going to be something that happens because of your decisions. And, you know, three, four years into a, an addiction, you got to that addiction because you decided to do it. Um, the only person that can change is you. You can't keep, it's my parents' fault or it's my brother's fault or it's my friend's fault. No, it's your fault. You did it. You made the decision as an adult to get into that. And it's just like, wait, I made the decision to allow myself to get to 340 pounds. And, you know, a lot of people said, you know, go do surgery, go do whatever. No, I wanted to do it on my own. I wanted to put the pride into it. I wanted to put the time into it. And then at the end, I would feel good. And I do. And, you know, I, I don't mean to be negative when it comes to drug addicts or, or any addiction, but no, I don't You're think you problem. are. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I really, I, I, I like this this uh, thinking. It's like, you know, take responsibility for yourself and hold yourself to a higher standard. And you're. It sounds to me that one of your core values is is accountability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to be accountable because at the end of the day, if you don't have that, I don't know what else you have. You know, everybody's yeah. uh, way in life is their own decisions. You know, we're all, we, we all, and especially if you live in this country, you have the ability to do whatever you want to do. You want to go do content on the internet. You can do it. You want to be a bus driver. You can do it. You want to be an artist. You can do it. You want to be a cook. You can do it. There's options for everyone. And, um, you know, I look at people that, you know, especially in America have these, these quote problems. And it's like, well, I mean, at the end of the day, like you really don't have that many problems. I mean, some people live in, in lives that, you know, if you had to deal with them, you'd have to wonder how these people would behave. I mean, it's, 
it's crazy. I mean, you really don't have problems at the end of the day. And, you know, there, there's all sorts of resources to change and help yourself. So go out and do it and, and be accountable. I like that. I like that a lot, man. That's, I, I find, I actually find, find that to be uh, profound. It's, it's like, wake up, you know, be true yeah. to yourself, be true to yourself and then work. Oh, on man, a lot of people have not woken up. They don't wake up. Yeah. They're, they're, they're constantly making excuses on why they can't do this, why they can't do that. Um, instead of, you know, like for instance, I, uh, wanted to lose weight. I did it. I wanted to start a podcast. I did it. Um, you know, uh, some people have to get credit like with, with you know, they, they may have no credit. You gotta, only you can get credit. You've got to, st- it's, it's the bank's fault or it's, it's just, no, it's your fault. You don't have credit or you have negative credit. You're going to go out and prove it. Everything's yeah. all about you. It's not about anybody else, it's about you. You're an adult. I like that. All right. Now, we talked about how you have brought positivity into people's lives and been an influence. Now there is another side where you have to deal with a lot of internet trolls. Now, I personally love the way you deal with them. You go head on and you're just like, let's go. And you you laugh at them. It's great. I find that to be hilarious. Honestly, I want to know how you got so good at that. And then I have a side story about my friend, Pat Reagan, that I want to talk about, who has been on the show a couple of times. So the audience knows who I'm talking about. But how did you get so good at at, with trolls, man? How did you get so good at that? I guess I just don't really, I don't really, I don't care. Like (laughs) they, they don't affect, like you could say like the meanest thing to me and it used to bother me, but like now I, I know that at the end of the day, my whole thing is, Every single person that has something negative to say about me, A, doesn't show their face and never would say this to me in real life uh, because no one ever has. I've been doing this since 2009. No one's ever come up to me and said any of this stuff. Um, And they're doing it under a fake name. And and obviously, you know, it's concerning more to me that these are grown adults in America doing stuff like this. I mean, it's just kind of behavior that I I wouldn't do. But um, as far as how do I do, I just don't care. I mean, I, I... it doesn't affect my life. They would trade their lives with mine. So I don't really, I don't really have any issue. And a lot of people will say that they're like, well, you trade your life with me. And I'd be like, well, no, I would. But I honestly do believe most people would trade their lives with me. I'm 32 years old. I I'm in pretty good shape. I, I, I have all I want. I'm free to do what I want. I don't have any buddy, you know, saying I can't do it. I don't have a nagging wife. I don't have kids. I don't want, I have a life that I can do whatever and wherever I want. And I feel like most people would trade that. And a lot of these people that do this stuff are just kind of unhappy with themselves. I almost will say as well, I kind of feel bad that they're, you know, wasting their time with me. I've said that before, you know, you you only have a certain amount of time on this earth. You know, I'm not that important. I feel like maybe think if these folks put this um, effort into their job or, or to solving a a problem, you know, I think, um, I think we'd all be better for it, but they don't. Man, I love that, man. And I think some people that are listening right now are like, wait a minute. So I'm not being true to myself and I take things too seriously where if I just, if I looked at it this way, then I would feel much better because, you know, I used to have a tough time with that. And to be honest, like since our channel is growing, uh, we started doing YouTube. We just broke a thousand subs on there. It's like, we're, we're hitting small goals and we're getting like a couple of videos got like 5,000 something views. And that's like, 
that's like really big, big for me because, you know, I started doing this as a hobby, but that now I started taking it seriously uh, this past February on uh, YouTube. So I wanted to grow the YouTube. And at first, you know, a couple people would comment and they would all be nice. And then I had this video do really well and it got over a hundred comments and a couple people were like dickheads. And I'm like, shit, like <laughs> this is what happens, I guess. And yeah, I think that uh, yeah. I'm going to tell you right now. I mean, I, uh, I have a YouTube channel. I mean, I, I've built it up over the last six or so months and you know, whether it's YouTube, Twitter, wherever you go. Um, and I'm talking about even like the, the lowest amounts of success. I mean, there, there are certain people with, they may have 500 subs, you know, and, and yeah. even they'll get negativity. It's people like to complain, you know, and it's, I don't know why people care so much. A lot of the time I I'll spend, like I have a YouTube channel. I'll spend, I'll spend 20 minutes doing a video. I'll spend an hour or so getting the video together um, and you have people commenting on it and saying, well, you, you got this wrong. And it's like, well, I mean, you spent this whole time watching this video, all the work I put in, and this is what you have to say about it. Yeah. Um, you can't let people get to you. You just try to talk to the 95% that are cool. Um, and, and those people are just negative and, and they're never going to be fans of yours. So yeah, I just kind of get rid of them and don't deal with it. That, that's a good way to look at it. What, what I've found to be so much fun though, since February is uh, I've been learning different types of editing for for YouTube videos. And um, I've been trying to hone my skills and, you know, really take pride in it now. And I don't know if you know this show called Servant. It takes place in Philly, and uh, it's made by M. Night Shyamalan. So we, we covered Servant, and it got a good amount of views. And then people were asking us to go do a vlog on it because I'm from the area. And I, I was like, yeah, sure. I, I never did a vlog like that before. So it was... I'm, I'm trying new things and we put the vlog out. It did pretty well. And it's, it's fun to learn new things and to hone your skills, but uh, a quick story. And on this YouTube, is going to real quick oh, sorry. on, yeah, on YouTube. You have to do that. I mean, I I've, like yeah. I said, I built a YouTube channel and you have to do different things. You have to, you have to understand that YouTube, like a lot of the other platforms is really to me a science. Like I'll tell you right now on YouTube, if you just study and understand what works and what people mm -hmm. want and how to get videos to be noticed, you could do well in it. It's, it's all about the algorithm that you have. Yeah. I have an idea for a show I'm doing coming up here. It's, um, Oh, great. Like I do. Um, so on my YouTube channel, I just talk about gangsters, just like I do on my podcast. Um, but on this new video, I'm going to have this, um, I'm going to have this like only fans, Instagram model, come on. And she's going to, she's going to rate gangsters like from the past. That's and cool. I just think it'd be like a funny thing. It's a crossover. I get yeah. her audience. She gets mine. Um, you know, and that's how you grow channels and audiences. And, and like you said, you know, going out and doing different things and mm -hmm. whatever. And uh, you know, that's how you grow something. Yeah. Like when I started the podcast four years ago, like I said, as a hobby, and I used to do a YouTube video every now and then back then. And like, I didn't really care. It was just like, just to do it. But learning all these new things, I, it, it's just so much, it's just so much fun. I, I love it. So, um, but, oh, and what you were saying about um, you learned like the science to it. You're right. Because when I was, when we started covering Servant, there was 10 episodes, right? And when I got to episode three or four, it got a thousand views. And I was like, oh, cool. I, like, that's cool. Let's see if I can do that again. 
And then I, I learned from it and built on it. And then that kept going higher and higher. And every episode of the show got more and more views. And it's, you're right. There's like a science to it. You can, you can figure it out. And um, I'm having a lot of fun with it. We're, we're starting a review of Barry on HBO. We're starting that tomorrow on the YouTube channel. So it's, you know, just tr- trying all types of things. So it's, uh, it's fun. You, you ever watch Barry? I have not ever watched it. No, I think you'd like it. It's um, he's a hitman. that, do you know anything about it? No, I have to check it out though. I've heard uh, decent things about it. Oh, Bill Hader's great in it. And uh, he's, he's fantastic in it. Uh, but he's a hitman who is trailing a target in season one and they're in an acting class. So he goes to the acting class to, you know, to kill this guy, but he ends up loving the acting class. And then he wants to quit being a hitman to become an actor. And I'll tell you what, there's funny scenes, but the action scenes are badass. It's really, really well made. Um, I think you, I think you really like it based on the type of things that I know that you're into. So give that, a, give that a shout because season three, check it out. three, season three just started today. So um, you'll have two seasons and then you'll be live with season three. So I think you'd like it, I'll but check it out. So I have this quick story and it's going to lead to a segue that uh, I want to ask you about what you're doing in the future. And here, here it is. So a friend of mine, Pat Reagan. He's from Philly. He went to LaSalle High School and he was always good. He was always good at cutting hair. He would always cut our friend's hair, like five bucks, whatever. And he's been open about this, so it's okay that I'm saying it. Uh, But his his father passed away and then he was struggling with addiction after that uh, because it was a sudden death. it's not like i mean either way you lose your father is tough but it was it was Mm -hmm. a sudden it was sudden so he got into drugs and his idea to get away from that was to move to florida he moved to florida got off drugs got out of rehab and just honed and honed and honed the skills he's so fucking talented jeff if you check out his instagram he's got one hundred thirty thousand followers on there patty underscore cuts and some of his clients are Kamara Usman, Travis Kelsey, Alvin Kamara, Stefan Diggs, Mark Ingram, Will Fuller, Mar Jackson. Uh, he's cut Michael Thomas before, P. Diddy. Um, but it all started with Danny Garcia, the boxer out of Philly. Mm-hmm. And then that led to Darrell Rivas. His first ever NFL cut was Darrell Rivas. Can you imagine that? <laughs> like That's crazy. Isn't that nuts? But he had problems dealing with um, – dealing with haters and stuff like that when he was getting famous because people were like oh why does you know why does so many people follow like whatever people say dumb things and he he wears one of the uh flashlights on his head to, when he's cutting hair to make it like more precise uh during shape ups and shit and people made fun of that so he took a break off of social media but then he came back and he realized he needed social media to get more clients because otherwise how the like, in, and how's an NFL player going to trust the word if they don't see the guy's work on Instagram, right? So do you understand why he stepped away and then came back? Do you get that? Or would you just not step away? No, no. I, I, I Listen, here's the one thing. I'll, oh, I'll say a few things to him. First of all, stepping away, you, you're letting them get to you. You're letting them affect your life in a way that 
you shouldn't be letting them affect your life. I'm looking at this kid's Instagram. Yeah. Good, good looking guy. Seems oh, like yeah. he's got a yeah. lot of, a lot of uh, kind of charm and, and prestige. You know, he, he's hanging out with celebs. He's doing something he mm-hmm. loves. He's teaching people things. He, he's riding on, on jets. He, he's being mm-hmm. featured in the paper. Um, you've achieved something that most people never will. And they look at you and they say, I'm a barber in some ratty barbershop somewhere. And they say, why can't I be that guy? It's yeah, all jealousy sure. at the end of the day. That's all it is. They don't not like you. They don't think anything other than I'm jealous of that guy. Why can't I do it? It's the crab in a barrel theory. I'm a, I'm in a barrel and this crab finds his way out and I'm going to bring him down by grabbing him and pulling him back. That's what they want to do. You're letting them win by letting them get to you. Yeah. I always will tell you, you can't do what I do. Otherwise you would. Um, there's something I do that maybe you can't do. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, he's doing something he's succeeded and that's why people are calling him out. That's what people are hating. They don't have any, this is a guy with true haters. I, I have the same people. They yeah. say, well, I, why can't I do that? I'm a, I'm, I'm stocky. I'm not good looking. I'm this, I'm that. He's the same way. Why can't I do it? You know, they, they, yeah. they want to do it. It's jealousy. So he shouldn't worry about it. Yeah. I don't think he does anymore because the, the, the break came a couple of years ago and he got much more famous within the last few years. Like he's sponsored by old spice. He has his own, uh, uh, set of clippers from baby list that you can purchase with his face on the box it's crazy uh and like i've known him for a very long time i'm so proud of him so happy for him but when he came back and he got travis kelsey and getting travis kelsey led to all these different opportunities and then he started filming mark ingram and other nfl athletes their training sessions and he'd put them up and they'd put them on their twitter and stuff like that Somehow, Kamara Usman got got wind of this, got him to be his barber, and now he's his videographer. So he parlayed his skills of cutting hair into now doing videography for athletes. And he did all of his promotional stuff for his last fight. He made all of that footage. And it... I'm just, I'm like, it blows my mind that he took something and cause he used to make videos of him cutting people's hair and he'd do like cool transitions and stuff like that. And then he added to it, added to it, added to it. And it came out to be Kamar Usman's fucking videographer. It's crazy. And he, yeah, it's he, self-made man. Yeah. And he gets to fly around to, um, to fights. And like you said, he was on a private jet with them. It's wild. And he's the most humble guy. Like if you guys ever met, you guys would hit it off. I would love to get you guys on a podcast together. I think you'd have. A I got to get him, get in touch with this guy. Maybe have him caught me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude. He would, he would hook you up. Trust me. Some of my be- best cuts of my life are coming from this guy. Uh, it's great. But I got to hit him up. That's great. Yeah. Oh, I can set you guys up whenever you want. And, um, but he, speaking of how he parlayed into that video- videography, is there anything that, you think you want to try based off of you have you have success you, you're a self-made man but is there anything else that maybe you want to try like maybe writing a book or a movie or yeah. anything like that yeah you know it's funny i uh i always 
I'll definitely write a book at some point. I don't know if I write, it won't be my own book. It'll be on someone else. I have some ideas uh, of people I want to write on. I think it'd be pretty interesting, but you know, honestly, one thing I'd love to do, um, maybe, you know, way down in my life, 20 years from now or something, I'd love to uh, teach uh, organized crime in colleges. I, I think it should be taught in colleges and, and sort of like criminology and things like that. Uh, I would love to do that. I feel like I have a, a, a strong mind for that. I want to go back to school and just go to school. I don't really have any reason. I just want to do it. Yeah. Um, I, I want to do some films and things like that, like documentaries. I want to get into some of the kind of some different things, not just like gangsters and things like that, but really just understanding like uh, people. I, I'm fascinated by people, like just just different types of people. There's a there's a YouTube channel I watch a lot. Uh, soft white underbelly it's called and it's uh it's this guy that just goes and interviews people he just you know he'll interview a you know a criminal he'll interview a a sex offender he'll interview a a drug dealer it just interviews different people i don't know i'm kind of just fascinated by people and i don't know there's all sorts of things that i'd like to do but probably you know write a book down the road do some things like that um i could i could definitely see that now i'm pretty sure the last time i I, I think I asked you this last time we spoke, but where would you live if it could be anywhere in the world? Say you were, were te- teaching, say, say you had a teaching gig, right? And yeah. you, you got to pick what city you, you were teaching in or country, Area, anywhere. Yeah. yeah. I would probably say uh, Longport, New Jersey. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What was that? Uh, I just... I don't know. I just find it to be beautiful. I, I had a, for most of my life, my family had a shore house um, right near the Longport Bridge in Ocean City. And I, as I get older and into my twenties, I, you know, I, I would go to Atlantic City all the time and I'd go over the bridge into Longport in through Margate and Ventnor. And I'd always, you know, Longport's a small little spot. It's not in Margate, yeah. which is cool. I kind of want to be in the quiet area. And I don't know. I just want to be somewhere where it's quiet. It's beautiful. It's scenic. There's a house um someday i'll own it it's a six point drive longport it's the most beautiful house i've ever seen i have already i've already found it <laughs> someday i'll I go buy it in cash and I, I uh it overlooks the ocean it's right on the inlet it's, it's a beautiful place and i just like the shore it's like a different place to me it's uh it's a place that you don't really get until you go there you know i feel like when i go yeah. there it's just kind of i'm somewhere different and um and I've always yeah. had a dream to live there. So uh, we'll get there eventually. But yeah, I would say New Jersey. I, I'm I'm not into like the West Coast or Florida, but um, yeah, cool. New Jersey would be perfect. I actually like that answer a lot. So I'm from Northeast Philly and it's kind of a prerequisite that you have to go to Wildwood if you're from Northeast Philly. So yeah. I spent a lot of my childhood in, in Wildwood. I was actually just there for my birthday that passed uh, a couple of weeks back. And uh, I love it. I I just love being down there, even off season. It's it's very relaxing. So you were talking about, you know, maybe wanting to teach in the future. What are some of the odd jobs you did before you joined Barstool? I want to know about your life, like before before fame type of thing. Uh, Well, I uh, the first job I ever had was uh, at a pizzeria. I worked at my best friend. I'm still friends with him today. I worked in high school at his family's pizzeria. Um, that was the first job I had. When I left high school, I worked for my dad. He's in the construction business. Never like that. I would work for my dad off and on. Like when I was bad or something, he'd make me work with 
them or whatever. Um, so I did that. Um, I got sick of that and I sold cell phones at one point um, for uh, AT&T, which was fun. I liked that job, had a good time with it. Um, then I worked at a bank uh, and that was it. I, I've never really done anything else. I, I've always kind of, for most of, of my adult life, like if I needed a job, like I just worked for my dad or whatever, but um, I kind of made it clear, like I wasn't going to do that. I wanted to get my own way and do my own thing in life. And, and I did, but yeah, I, I, I had to work life for a little bit. Uh, working at a bank was cool. I worked downtown in the city. It was, it was fun. It was a good job. In Center City, Philly? No, this was in Lancaster, actually. Right. Oh, Lancaster City. Lancaster. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a, it was a fun job. I, I like that kind of stuff, like forward facing, like dealing with people. It's a good time. Yeah, I know you're a Lancaster guy, but I, I just, for some reason, see you as a South Philly guy too. I know you spent some I, time there. So. I lived in South Philly, yeah, for a few years. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I still go there. I mean, I'm, I'm there every week or two. I, you know, South Philly is always a something that'll be close to me. I still have a lot of friends there, a lot of you know people that I know, and uh, you know, I, I'll be honest. If if Philadelphia was in a better place from a from from a standpoint of just overall living you know if it was like it was 10 years ago i'd have been back already i think the one pause that i have is it's really i think affected day-to-day living living there just with the things that are going on and the fact that a lot of these neighborhoods are just you know out of control and you know it's it's kept people like me out so yeah maybe someday i'll be back but um you know i'm good where i'm at and and this area is kind of the, the home i have okay yeah yeah I respect that. Um, I'm out in King of Prussia, so yep. it's, you know, 40 minutes from Philly. But um, so we talked about what led you to Barstool. Now you're at Barstool, then you leave. Now, I know you said you didn't have the best time there, but do you when you look back at it, is it mostly good memories or is it just kind of something that happened? No, it was a good time. I mean, obviously, um, you know, anytime you can go up there, it's fun. I mean, it's weird because I had a lot of fun, like, when I didn't work there, I remember last year during the summer, I did some uh, fill-ins for, for uh, Rico Bosco when he wasn't there. And, you know, I had a great time talking football and sports with those guys. I mean, we had some really great shows. Um, you know, I, I remember going to the gambling house. That was fun. Um, yeah. But, you know, for me, working there was just kind of, it was rough just because I worked there during the pandemic, which it wasn't as easy to travel during those times. It was just a lot different. You know, I, I wish, you know, maybe at some point it'll be different and I could go back or something, but um, I didn't think I got the overall feel of working there. Um, but no, the time I was there was fun. I, I had a good time with it. I just wish everything could have kind of been on the same page because I think we all would have had a good time and it, it would have worked out. But um, no, I, I enjoyed it there. They've always been cool to me. Were you commuting from PA to New York? No, I I, I actually was, I worked in a, a situation where I was, um um, someone that was remote. So I didn't have to report there. I just wrote okay. blogs and did my show from my house. I would go to Philly though and do, they had a house in Philly. We would do gambling content. Yeah. But, I remember that um, one, yeah. but no, we, I didn't really go to New York at all. I, I went to New York a lot of the time, either before I worked there or after. Cause like I said, I worked there literally during the, the pandemic. Yeah. Okay. So my next question was, which you kind of answered, would you ever, would you ever go back and take another job there? Seems like you would. Um, I don't know if I'd want to work directly for them. I would like to 
I mean, I, I've already tried. I'm, I'm, I've, I've chatted with them a little bit about selling the sit down to them and, and, and working kind of in a podcast uh, ownership role where I, they kind of just sponsor my show and, and I have kind of connections to them and, and I kind of be able to do my own thing. Um, I don't know if I'd like move there and work directly for them. I, I don't think I'd ever do that just because I don't really need to do that. Um, yeah. But if I can add what I do with the podcast and they can put their name on it and we can both make a lot of money, uh, that's something that I would, I would definitely do. They're, they're probably, quite frankly, one of the only places I'd want to sell the show to. Um, they have the avenue, I feel like, to make it big and to make it successful. And, um, you know, I, I could still do my own things. But, yeah, I, I would definitely like to go back if I could in a certain way. Interesting. I, I'd love to see it back there, man. Just. You know, I'm, I'm a fan and, and I like Barstool, so I think that'd be great. Um, so what's a typical day like for you then? You you know, you, you don't have the regular nine to five job, but you do work hard. You work often. So what's what's it kind of like a day in your life? Like, what do you do to unwind, too? Yeah, I, I pretty much do the same things every day. And I, I'll, I'll kind of take it for like so right now. I mean, it's the summer, at least for me, it's the summer. Um, you know, during the summer, it's a lot different. I kind of find myself a lot more bored than I would be in like football season or basketball season. Um, but during like the season, I, I mean, I wake up at like, I don't know, 10 or so. Uh, it's funny. I usually lay in bed until like 11. I have some coffee. I just read or, or something like that. And then I get up and I, I go into my office and I, I usually have a show that I do at 12 or one. I do that. Uh, then I, um, I usually, eat something and you know a lot of the time now I'm staying busy just with doing my podcast I'll record that on Wednesday so I'll take Tuesday and Wednesday and research I put videos out on YouTube twice a week Tuesdays and Saturdays so I I spend a lot of time doing that Uh, at four o'clock every day I I go out and work out Uh, that's kind of something I'm always doing and then at night I uh I really just chill a lot of the time Uh, it's funny because the last couple of years I actually was getting so bored at night I actually um, I really wanted to drive Uber. That was something I had always wanted to do. I don't, I don't yeah. really know why, but I just wanted to do it. So I started doing that. I would have fun with that. And that, that kind of kept me busy, you know, until late at night. And then I go to sleep and, you know, now I go out at night on Saturdays or Fridays and I, I kind of have routines. I do a lot of the same things. I, I don't really change it up much, but it's not as like fun as it sounds. Um, you know, and now I have like, a girl or two that I'll hang out with or whatever, we'll go out to dinner yeah. or, or whatever, but it's pretty normal for the most part. Do you, do you like going to the movie theaters a lot or do you no, not catch I, I don't, I, I can't remember. I don't go to movie theaters. I, I've, I'm kind of freaked out by them quite honestly. I, I don't like being in places where I'm kind of trapped and that's, that might be weird to like say, but I, I don't know. I, I just like in a movie theater, I feel like are kind of trapped I don't know. Something freaks me out about it. And I, to be honest, I like watching movies you know, kind of in my bed or on my couch, to be honest. So, and, yeah. and to be fair, like there's not a lot of movies that I really want to see. I only have a certain type of movie or, or thing that I'm into, into. So I generally just wait and I watch it on TV or whatever. See something my wife and I love to do is to go to the movie theaters. We just love being there for some reason i guess i've just always kind of loved it uh and obviously i you know i have a podcast where i talk about movies so i try to watch as many as i can uh so we have this uh regal pass where you pay it's like 21 dollars a month and you can go as many times as you want you can go every single day if you want to so it's 
it's it's something you know it's one of my hobbies but obviously everybody's different so i was curious if you uh were a movie theater guy or not but um yeah i can't remember uh i can't remember the last time i went to the movie theater interesting okay um but like you watch movies at your house all the time i do very much so. all right let's get into that man i'm excited let's start with since you know you're known for mafia and mob what are your now they don't have to necessarily be top five because i'm thinking to myself this question earlier and i'm like do i actually have a top five favorite movies because they kind of change for me i don't know about you if you're the same or if i'm just weird but so what are your like top five or most favorite mob movies of all time uh uh, Bronx Tale would be number one. Gotti, the HBO version, would be number two. Number three would be Donnie Brasco. Number four would be Casino. Number five, um, probably The Irishman. I enjoyed The Irishman. I'm, I'm very much a fan of that whole kind of story and and, and the people involved in that. Um, yeah. yeah, I would say I would say those five. Do uh, you like The Departed? I do. I do. I think it's a good film. Yeah. It's, uh, it's well done. I think you have to watch it a time or two to understand it completely. Um, but yeah, I, I liked the departed. I thought black mass was pretty good. Um, I think there's a lot of films that they should make on people that they haven't made films on that they, you know, they need to get to. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think all those five or six are, are probably the ones I'd put up towards the top. Hey, man, that's why you need to write a book, right? So then they can make a movie about the story that you want to tell. Yeah, or yeah. Or just make the make the story. Make yeah, the fucking I, movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I would love. Oh, that'd be so sick if you ended up writing a movie script uh, about one of your favorite. Because, man, you, you got endless knowledge about that stuff. So, like, that's, you know, they say write about what you know. And what I think that's know? why we that's why we created the show, because I think it's important to, you know, we know a lot about John Gotti or Al Capone, but there, there's so many more interesting people to the mob, you know, just things that people did and, and stories that people were in and, and things that were done. It's just we need to kind of tell you about those. And yeah, that's that's why we started the show. OK, um, now two of my favorite mob ish movies now. I think I might have asked you last time to watch The Drop. Did you ever see The Drop? I don't think I did. I, I think I'm, I'm you or someone else may have told me about it, but I, 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 I'm trying to think if I've seen it. Uh, oh, it's so Wait, weird. I actually think I have seen that. Doesn't he have like a dog or something? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have seen that. I saw that many years ago. It's been a yeah, while since I've seen it. But Tom, yeah, Tom I, Hardy. Yeah, yeah. Gandolfini's in it. And Gandolfini, that. yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That ha- that has one of the coolest, most badass endings. He's just so, you know, he's kept to himself. He he's quiet, but don't fuck with me type of vibe. And uh, spoiler alert for people that don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. When the guy goes, uh, oh, by the way, you didn't ki- whatever. I forget what the guy's name was. That's called called Jimmy. By the way, I know you didn't kill Jimmy. And the guy goes, yeah, I did. How do you know that? And then Tom Hardy goes, because I fucking killed him. And then he kills the guy. <laughs> it's fucking great. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen that. But I I, 
I do like the film. There's also another movie that I watched. Uh, pretty, it's pretty old. It's like 2005, 2007, something like that. It's called We Own the Night. Joaquin, uh, Joaquin yeah, Phoenix is in it. That's, that's good. good. Mark Wahlberg's in it. Um, yeah, there. You know, there's a film called The Gambler. I mean, it's about like loans and gambling. I like that. Um, mm-hmm. Mississippi Grinds, a great uh, film about kind of gamblers and things like that. But I yeah, I love uh, that movie, Jeff. I love Mississippi Grind. That is such an yeah. underrated movie, dude. Yeah, it's great a good call. Movie. It's, it's call. pretty. It's an older. It, it actually was an old movie, and they made it newer. And, oh, is it? Yeah, the the newer one is is, is quite good. Yeah, yeah Ben Mendelsohn and, and yeah, uh, yeah. Ryan Reynolds. Ryan, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then there's just films that that I like that that are not gambling or, or mob related that I just, I just really like, you know? And, yeah. And I, I, w- I want to hear about those, but one more real quick road to perdition. You ever see that? No, I've never seen it. No. Oh, please watch it. It's, it's probably my favorite gangster movie. Probably okay. Tom Hanks, Daniel Craig, Jude Law, Jennifer, Jason Lee, Stanley Tucci, Paul Newman, amazing soundtrack, amazing score. The story's great. It's you know a father and a son. Uh, it's yeah, I oh, it's so well told, man. It, it's it's a great movie. So if you are ever hanging with a lady friend and you guys need something to watch, give it give it a chance. I I think you might like it. All right. And and if you do if you do watch it, can you let me know if you like it or not? Because sure. I want to I want to see if it matches up. Because I it blew me away. Like I'm like. The first time I saw it, I immediately went on Amazon and I ordered the DVD of it. <laughs> like, I just needed the DVD. So that's that's how much I love it. But um, OK, so, look. yeah, check it out. Now, as far as non-mob movies, let's hear some of the, you know, the kind of movies that you like that are outside of the gangster life. Uh, Well, one of my favorite movies is uh, Moonlight. I love Moonlight. I think it's probably one of the best movies I've ever seen. I, I don't know. Very good. I don't. Uh, I don't think people quite get it a lot of the time when they watch it, but I think if you watch it over, it, it's pretty incredible. Quite honestly, uh, Queen and Slim is a great movie. I don't know if anyone's yeah. ever seen it. Uh, really well done. Uh, it, it, I, I believe it's based on a true story. I, it might be inspired by a true story. I don't know. It's uh, uh, Daniel Kaluuya, right? Yeah, Daniel yeah. It's Kaluuya. about this. Yeah. These two. They have a. They have a date, and and he he's involved with a shooting, and and they go on the run. It's. It's very good. Um, what else do I like? Um, you know, obviously, like Shawshank is a great uh, film. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that's one of the greatest. Shot Caller. I like a prison film. Shot Caller is a great movie. Uh, it's on Netflix. If you've ever seen it, I think it was a movie that was severely under promoted. Uh, I think it's one of the better movies I've seen over the last ten years. Um, Nick Bolayek. Like, yeah, I was gonna. I- I was gonna say I might butcher his name. It's what Nikolai Coster. What's Waldo, how do you say his name? Yeah. John Bernthal's yeah. in it. Uh, oh, Omar John Bernthal's so good in that. Yeah, yeah, it's he's, real good. John Bernthal's fucking really good actor. He's very, actually very involved in a in a project that comes out tomorrow. It's it's from the creators of The Wire. It's about um, it's about Baltimore and some cop things that went on a couple of years ago. It's a true story. He's involved with that, which is coming no out. Way. But, yeah, it comes out tomorrow. And then there's a film. It's pretty old. It's on Netflix as well. Uh, it's about prison. It's called Felon. That's a great movie as well. That's one of my favorite prison movies. Uh, Felon, Val never Kilmer, saw that one. Never even saw Dorf. that one. Yeah, mm. it's it's pretty crazy. This um, 
this guy, Stephen Dorff's character, he's a, he's a roofer. He has his own business and he's got a kid and a wife and a life. And one night he's in his house and a, a burglar comes in to burglarize his home. And the burglar runs out and he runs after him and shoots him in the back and kills him. And they give him time in prison for it. And it's about his, they throw him into this Pelican Bay shoe, it's called. It's like, a, it's the worst prison in America. And just about his life trying to survive. And yeah, it's, uh, it's very well done. Awesome. Now, comic book movies. Okay. They're everywhere. <laughs> you never seen one? No. You're, you're, you're serious? Yeah, I don't, I have no interest. Wow. Okay. Um, so that, this is exactly why I wanted to ask you this because directors such as Scorsese and Francis Ford Coppola said they're not real cinema, um, which, you know, that's fine. If, if people think that I enjoy them, um, I, I, I enjoy Marvel specifically, uh, certain DC movies I like, but, uh, he, then he, James Gunn, who, who's a comic book movie director, he did Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, Suicide Squad, Peacemaker. He's like, that's exactly what my grandfather said about gangster movies when he was when when I was young. So, do you think there's any correlation there? Of maybe it's just people just aren't into it because of popularity, or it's just not for you in general. I would say I agree with Coppola and, and Scorsese. They're more just like cartoons to me. I just don't okay. have any interest. I, I think movies in general. I mean, it it's rare that you get a great film, and, and when you do, I, you know, I'm definitely going to watch it. Um, and there's definitely movies that I've enjoyed over the last couple of years, but I don't feel like they make movies like they used to. I mean, even comedy, like I, I you know, a lot of the old comedy movies, you know, Dumb yeah, and Dumber man. or Happy Gilmore, stuff like that. I just I always find myself going back to that as opposed to, to, to this new stuff. I don't, I don't watch, you know, this, this stuff. It's just not interesting to me. I, I like, like, I don't like fiction. Um, I, I want, I want, I want nonfiction. I, I want real stories. I want real people. I want real events. I want things that I can learn something from. So like, for instance, that movie felon I'm talking about, a lot of people aren't aware that if you are in your home and you proceed to run after someone that robs your home and you kill them, they can call that, that's manslaughter or murder. A lot of people don't know that. I didn't, and, yeah, I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah, and uh, keep in mind, they're burglarizing your home. That doesn't matter though, because they have decided to leave and you went after them. So like you learn stuff about just like, you know, things, you know, I, I feel like, and, and I want like real events. Like one of my favorite TV shows is, uh, I don't want to bring, maybe I should, I will save it for another segment, but one of that, one of those shows really is all about learning and, and, and understanding real events. So when, if you're ever in them, God forbid, you know how to deal with them. But yeah, yeah. I just, I like, I like nonfiction. I like real events and real stories. Okay. Uh, yeah. And that's, you know, I'm, I totally respect other people's opinion to not, to not enjoy them. Just like I have the opinion to enjoy them, but it's just like, it's strange because certain people um, I, I feel like what you were saying about comedies, right? I feel ever since the end of the like Will Ferrell, John C. Riley era, like uh, Seth Rogen, like maybe 2008, 2010 comedies have fallen off drastically since, since that 2010 uh, range. And I feel like they're just not nearly as good anymore. And I wonder why. 
do you feel the same with comedies or i don't do watch many comedies? anymore to be real fair uh Me like either. i said if, if i yeah. if i want to laugh or something i'll just watch like an old school one um yeah yeah it's another thing i think it's just kind of weak attempts at at trying to be funny i mean i always felt like if, if you're funny you just are like, i don't think you need to prove you're funny you just are um i think a lot of it's just like kind of lame and and forced and i think sometimes shows like particularly in shows they become too intertwined with like trying to make things funny like i think one of the things about sopranos that i that i kind of was annoyed with was like sometimes they constantly try to make the show funny and it's just like well this is about the mafia. It's not really funny. And I don't know. I get lightheartedness, but I mean, some of the stuff's forced. I mean, sexual stuff's forced a lot well, as well. You know, every yeah. person in every show or movie has to be fucking each other. You know, there can't just be a respectable relationship. So like, yeah, I think a lot of that stuff. Plus, look, another thing about film nowadays that people don't like is, you know, inserting political things into it, you know, trying yeah. to prove a point, but not really proving a point, you know. So I think people are just kind of annoyed with it entirely. Yeah, that was a lot of people's uh, issue with the movie called, called Don't Look Up this year. It was nominated for Best Picture. You see Don't Look Up? No. Uh, so that was actually made by Adam McKay, who used to make comedies with Will Ferrell. And then he started making dramas and he's made he's made a lot of good movies. But this one was nominated for Best Picture. And a lot of people hated it because there's so basically there's a, a comet coming to hit the earth and there's certain people that don't believe the comet's coming so it's like him talking about global warming in like a sly way and people are like oh why you gotta make it political as for me i just enjoyed it because i thought it was a good movie like i didn't care if if there was political aspects to it and also uh they made these hats that said don't look up like don't look up in the sky to see the fucking comet. And they, they were ripoffs of make America great again. Like that was, that's what he was doing. He was trying to make fun of Donald Trump. So yeah. people were like, Oh, it has no shot to win the Oscars too political. And I'm just like, no, I don't, I, I don't get that, but it's just, it's, it's hard. It's hard to make a comedy these days, I guess, because they're not nearly as good. It's, there's gotta be a reason behind it. Right. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I guess I don't want to worry about it. So I just avoid it and I just don't watch it a lot of the time. I mean, certain shows I think are good, but our movies are good. They just try too hard to force it in. And yeah. I just kind of try to avoid those. Okay. Well, all right, let's get into your shows. Cause I, I'm so curious to hear this, man. I, I know you love the wire. I've said that before. I'm, I'm imagining Sopranos is on this list. Uh, so hit me. What do you got? Um, so I would say my number one favorite TV show of all time would be a, a show called Gamora. Uh, it's an Italian yeah. show. Uh, that would be number one for me. And if you've seen I, it, you know why. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I think not a lot of people in the States have seen it. So, so they think I'm nuts, but I, I think it's a masterpiece. Two would be The Wire for sure. I think they're on different levels and everything else. Um, three would be Sopranos for sure. Uh, four would be probably Sons of Anarchy. I, I really like Sons of Anarchy. Uh, and then I would put five is probably Oz. I really like Oz. That was a great show many years ago. Um, but yeah, yeah, those would be my five. They're kind of on, on different levels and everything. Uh, I'm, I'm looking up Charlie Hunnam right now because you said Sons of Anarchy. 
because he was just in a gangster movie called The Gentleman. Did you see that? No, I'll have to check it out. I like Cunham. I, I like him as... It's hard, though, because I only look at him as one character. It's kind of like Gandolfini. I only look yeah. at him as Tony Soprano. I only yeah. know Cunham for Jack Steller, you know? Yeah, it's, t- it's sometimes it's tough with the typecasting. But actually, I first saw Hunnam in Green Street Hooligans. Oh, that's a I'm, great movie, yeah. Yeah, because I'm a huge soccer fan. As you see, I'm wearing a Liverpool jersey right now. Um, yeah. It's my favorite sport to watch. And uh, so I, I that was the first time I saw him. And then I watched Sons of Anarchy when it was when it was on because, you know, who wasn't watching at the time? That was a great, great show. But yeah, there's this movie called The Gentleman. It was made by Guy Guy Ritchie, and uh, the cast is stellar. It's Matthew McConaughey, Charlie Hunnam, uh, Jeremy Strong. He's in that Succession. Colin Farrell and uh, Hugh Grant. And it's it's an interesting movie, Jeff. It's like it got decent ratings, but it didn't do well at the box office at all. And I wonder if that's people's hesitation to make original movies these days because they're worried about not making money and that might be hurting the creative process, which I hope doesn't keep being a trend because even though I do enjoy comic book movies, there can be an overflow. And the, the one thing I don't want as a lover of going to the movies is to just be force fed the same story over and over and over and over again. So you can't be af- af- afraid to be creative if you're trying to make movies, but I- I'm curious if you would like that because I actually really enjoyed the gentleman. It's a, uh, it's it's told in such a unique way that it's very 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 special in the way it's told because I've never seen a movie like this before. I kind of want to tell you the premise, but I don't want to spoil it for you. I have to check it out. Yeah. All right. I won't. Yeah, I won't spoil it for yeah, you. Yeah. Don't tell me. I'll have to watch. Okay. So I have two suggestions for you now. And actually that, uh, yeah, wrote the perdition and uh, the gentleman and Jeff, one of the biggest things I, I always tell people, if, if, if someone were to ask me, Hey, why do you do a podcast? And I say, you know, the work week is hard enough to get through for most, for most people. So I like giving suggestions on something to watch when you want to unwind. So every week, we we all everybody who's on is usually three of us we all give at least one suggestion on something to watch and i just love doing that because if you if you can just escape from your troubles for an hour two hours if it's a tv show longer great and if you like it awesome if you don't come back next week we'll give you something else to try um but i always love giving suggestions so i'm happy i gave you two (laughs) Um, yeah i'll definitely check them out for sure oh i got a third it's uh my favorite TV show of 2022 so far, Severance. Have you heard of this? No. Wild. Wild. It's on Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, Adam Scott is the main character in it. But also, oh, his name's escaping me right now. I hate that. Um, he's such a good actor. I'm sorry. I'm looking up his name right now. Um John Tatura, you like him? Yeah. So he's in it. Christopher Walken's in it. And (laughs) it is nuts. It's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like one long episode of the twilight zone 
but a really good episode of the Twilight Zone. It's here's here's the premise, and this is in the trailer, so it's not spoiling anything. It's in a world where this procedure called severance exists, where if you want to work for this company, you have you have to get the procedure done, and you walk into the company as Jeff as yourself. You go down to the you get in the elevator and you go down to the severance floor, the severance floor, and your mind is split to a different part of yourself. So you yourself, Jeff, won't know what you're doing at work. And Jeff two, who's who's at work, has no knowledge of Jeff one. You, you, you don't know anything about your life. You don't know if you're married. You don't know if you have family. You just work. You you wake up at work, you leave work, and you wake up right back at work. And it's wild. It is so well told. The writing is brilliant. Ben Stiller directs most of the episodes, actually. And he's a he's a talent. Yeah. Oh, he made Escape at Denimora. And that was a, a true story of a prison break in New York. Yeah, and oh yeah. So he made that. And uh, he, he's got some talent directing, man, because this this Severn show, it is bonkers. I don't know if that sounds interesting. Did I explain that? I mean, well, it's not really my thing, to be honest. I mean, but it sounds interesting for sure. I think it would be too difficult to understand, probably. But it's um, no it's, Stiller's very good. I mean, he's a he's a good director. He's a good uh, he's kind of moved on to something else. And yeah, yeah, I, I like Dana Murrow. It was good. It, even though the premise itself is kind of confusing they're like the way they film it and shoot it they make it pretty easy to follow um but if that's not your thing it's not your thing it's very it's very sci-fi so um but it's my favorite show of the year so far blew my mind blew my mind fucking it's wild what would you ever do that procedure let's let's ask that no no shot even if you were getting paid a billion dollars a year uh (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I mean, I th- I'm sure I would probably do anything at that point, but yeah, true. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, probably if I was getting a billion a year, sure. Because they, you know, apparently these people get paid a lot of money, and there's people in the show that are against the procedure. They think there's some conspiracy going on. Wild, but um, that's not your cup of tea. So not your cup of tea. Um, how about Breaking Bad? Uh, it was all right. I mean, it, it's kind of hard to believe uh, to me, a lot of it, like most of that would never happen. I mean, it, I, and again, I, maybe I'm just being lame, but uh, yeah, it was a fine, it was a fine show. I wouldn't say it was one of my favorites. I mean, it's definitely in like the top 10 probably. Okay. Um, but I'd watch the first 48 any day over breaking. I think the first 48's like cracking top five. I think that's an incredible show. I don't, it, it's a show that we don't give enough credit to. I think we kind of just take for granted. That's an incredibly well done show. It's one of the only shows I've ever seen that's actually realistic and they don't try to add stupid things in. They just tell a story of someone being killed and solving it. That, that's, yeah. that's all it is. See, I, I wonder if you agree with me on this. I think Breaking Bad may have suffered if it was on a premium network like HBO. It would have been able to do more than what it was allowed to do on amc so i wonder if that you know held it back a little bit for certain people maybe to make it more more believable uh because they could have done more things like for instance war movies right i don't believe a war movie should be rated pg-13 i don't think you can make a good war movie 
rated PG-13. Now they made Dunkirk PG-13, but like if you, if it's a war movie and someone gets shot and then they just flail and there's no blood and they're just like it's like the Wilhelm scream and they just f- flail on the ground. It's it's not realistic. It's not believable. So I feel like that could maybe hold it back because you got a bunch of gangsters and meth dealers that aren't even saying fuck. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just a little takes a little out of the. I wonder if you would have liked it more if it was on HBO. Yeah, it probably should have been on a, a, a net, uh, not on a network and on on one of those premium things. But yeah, I mean that's that's kind of I think what what takes away some of its sauce away for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, to close out, I just have uh, a couple questions about uh, Philly sports, man. Um, basically, uh, the NBA playoffs in general too. Let's start with that. With Devin Booker getting hurt, I don't know if you saw the odds. I'm sure you did. Um, how much they dropped for the Suns and how much the Warriors' odds rose after he got hurt. It was like plus 500 or minus 500 points the other way. Crazy. Um, do you think the Suns have no shot to win now, even when he comes back? Because he might not be 100% when he comes back. I don't think they have no shot. I mean, I, I think they've been the best team all year, really. I mean, look, he's obviously very good, but if they have a pretty damn good team without him. Look, the Warriors are tough, and they're a little overvalued in the market because of it right now. I don't think yeah. the Denver Nuggets are particularly very good. Uh, the Pelicans are a lot tougher to me, at least at this point. No, I, I think they have sure a shot, um, but I, are they the favorite anymore? Probably not. A booker needs to come back, and I think if you can – foreshadow when he'll be back you can probably get some value on something but no they they definitely have an opportunity yeah okay could you guess which two or predict which two teams are going to represent the east and west this year uh i'll say uh boston and golden city i agree with that i said that at work the other day the the way that boston is handling the nets I don't know if that speaks more to Boston being really good or to Steve Nash being a really bad coach or something else going on with, with the Nets. Cause wouldn't you think the Nets would be better with the roster that they have? Oh, sure. But again, there's only one ball. Uh, you can have all the stars in the world, but if you can't uh, play together and you can't have consistency, it doesn't really matter. They're not well coached. Um, there's too many egos. Uh, they don't play any defense. So yeah, you, you have to have more than just stars. You got to be able to kind of put it all together. They haven't been able to do that. So what's more likely Kevin Durant goes to a different team or the Nets figure themselves out and they win a championship. What's more likely like not this uh, year, eventually, eventually I would say Kevin Durant goes somewhere else. Yeah. I wonder if he will. I've been thinking about that because it's not really working out in Brooklyn. Is it? No, I have a feeling he will. Yeah. Okay. Well, now how about the 76ers, man? Um, they were up 3-0. Now it's 3-1. Are you impressed with this playoff series against the Raptors, or do you think the Raptors weren't ever really a threat? Uh, no, I think they've definitely played well. They've coached well. They've, they've played well. Obviously, they have some problems with Embiid and some of his injuries, but no, they've played well. They're obviously going to be – it's obviously going to be a lot tougher coming up. The Raptors are, I think, a team that – maybe as a player two away for sure. But uh, yeah, it, it, look, it's all about winning series and, and they've done that, but now you have to start winning more series. They've, they've always done this. They'll always beat the first round opponent and then they'll 
they'll screw it up in the second or third round. So I'm with bated breath excited about it. But at the end of the day, I know it's not a big deal because Scotty Barnes hasn't played really. Um, you know, the Raptors, I think, kind of put their tail between their legs pretty quick. So, and I think they'll lose tomorrow and the series will be over. So, yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's, it's fine, but you need to win more. And isn't it crazy how bunched up the number two seeds was to the four seed and what ended up being playing the Raptors or the Nets? Because I feel like the Sixers would have had way more trouble against the Nets than with the Raptors. So it's kind of crazy how it worked out in their favor and that they won't have to see Boston until the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, but what what about the Heat? Do you think we can beat the Heat? Mm, I don't think they can beat the Heat, no. I mean, especially with Embiid's injury. I mean, that's going to be a lingering one. They have no bench. Heat are great defensively. They're just a better version of what the Raptors aren't. They have to get Kyle Lowry healthy. He's had a little bit of a problem recently. But, no, I don't think they can beat the Heat. Yeah, I'm worried about that myself. Um, you know, Jimmy Butler's a killer, and that would be an interesting series. I do you do you see it going far? Or do you think the Heat handle the Sixers pretty easily? Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I still got to kind of look at the the matchups. We'll see, but I would say five or six games. I don't think it's going to be crazy long. No. Okay. Uh, so then you said Boston versus the Warriors. Who wins? Warriors. Okay. Yeah, I, I'd agree with you. I think they got their swagger back from when they were winning titles a couple of years ago. They're playing very good. Uh, Poole is an excellent player. It's uh, crazy how they how they got him. Uh, good on them for their scouts and everything. Uh, that's what they've always done right, huh? They've Look at all the players they found through the draft. It's very impressive. So good They're on them. They're a well-run organization for sure. They, they really are. And you look at some of them miss – uh, misfires the Sixers have had in the past 20 years in drafts. I mean, come on. It, there's one after another. So, luckily, we have Joel, Joel Embiid. Hopefully, he can win an NBA title. Do you see him winning one mm. in, in his career? No. No, oh, it's a shame. Now, you no. are you are a, a full-bred Sixers fan, though, and you're being you're just being honest. Yeah, I'm just being honest. I don't. I don't think they're run particularly well, poorly coached. The organization sucks and they're wasting away his youth by not going out and addressing what they need to address. So no, I don't think they will. What can they do to improve next year? Can they get rid of Tobias Harris? Would anybody take them? They need to get a bench. They need to stop making bad contracts. They got to get rid of dead weight. They've got to get more guards. They need to get, a score on the wing. They need to get a shooter. Yeah. Um, they've got, a, they've got a lot of problems. They need to get a new coach. They need, they, they need to do a lot of things. We're just well, really uh, burning the if, tires. Right now. If we get beat by the heat rivers gets fired, doesn't he? I would, I would imagine. So would I, so would I. And then they, you know, try to regun be like, all right, we got hardened for the full year. We got Embiid. Maybe they try to trade Harris for for somebody else. Is there an ideal player that you could see that could realistically end up on the Sixers? I haven't really thought about it. I guess we'll kind of cross that bridge when we get to it. I don't even know who's sure. a free agent or not. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, they, me they definitely need to do some things for sure. Who's your favorite young player in the league? Uh, John Morant. Oh, me too, man. He is fun to watch, isn't he? Yeah, he's terrific. He, 
He's something. People are comparing him to AI. Do you see that? For sure. For sure. Yeah, he's he's awesome. I'm a big fan of his. And he wasn't very high, highly regarded coming out of high school or college. So I'm happy to see he's done well. Okay. Um, now just quickly talk about college. Uh, do you do you know uh, – did you follow Memphis this year for college? Yeah. I'll be honest, bro. I have not much to say on college with it being over. I'm just being real with you. No, no. I just uh, – it's just about J-Rett retiring. And whether or not you know anything about uh, Jalen Duran. Yeah, go ahead. He's because he's from the area. Um, so Jalen Jalen Duran, he went to Roman. That's where I went. And it's in Center City, Philadelphia. He went there for two years, and then his his junior year, he went to Monteverde, and that's actually where Ben Simmons went, among other NBA players. And uh, I'm just so like excited because. I saw him play about six times when he was on Roman. Uh, I try to go to as many games as I can. I tweeted you once when I was at the Palestra. And uh, I just, I love going to watch Roman play. So when he was 15 years old, he was just slamming on these kids. And my father-in-law goes, he's going pro. And I'm like, you serious? He's like, I've never seen a high school kid that good that's 15 years old. He's like, he's going pro. And now if you look at the mock drafts, He's as high as four, and he's as low as fifteen. He's he's going in the in the top fifteen, so it's really exciting. Do you ever remember anybody local like that that you were like, oh shit, he he actually might he actually might make it, and then they make it because like I'm gonna I can't wait for the NBA draft just to see where Jalen Duran goes. I'm so excited. Do you get that excitement? Yeah, I've definitely seen players. I watched Mo Bamba in high school. I knew he was going to go to the NBA. I watched, I remember years ago, Dewan Wagner uh, when he was in Camden. I mean, yeah, you have Tyreek Evans when he was in high school. I, a lot of these kids, you know, I, you kind of just know. I saw Lonnie Walker I mean, when he was at Reading High School. Yeah, he's you kind of just know. And then with these recruiting services now, you kind of have an idea. But yeah, you just kind of are well aware of what these kids are going to do. And Dern's a lottery pick for sure. And yeah. I'd love to see him go somewhere like, you know, Charlotte or, or, or the Knicks or something where he can kind of slot into a role and, and kind of find something. Yeah. I, I think, I think he'll be a great NBA player. He's got the size, you know, the rim finishing lob, that kind of thing. So yeah, I, I like Dern. I love to hear that, man. Cause I, I think he's going to be good too. Obviously on base uh, bias, because, you know, I've been saying this to my friends for a couple of years now that he's going to go pro and I'm actually right this time. So it's uh, it's just pretty cool. I can't wait to see where he goes to uh, now on. Uh, who do you root? Do you have a team that you root for any rooting interest in college basketball? I mean, I root for Temple. I mean, I've, I've always been a Temple fan since I was a kid. But I mean, I, I, I bet and just bet on the teams that I like. Those are my the fans I have. But no, I, I just I, I root on for Temple for sure. So what are your thoughts on Jay Wright retiring, man? That came out of nowhere, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, Jay's a great coach. I mean, he's done a great job for years. I mean, he's, uh, he's probably the best coach in the country. So, you know, as someone that likes college basketball, it's sad to see him go. I get it. You know, he wants to spend more time with his family. That's a long year every year. It's a 365-day-a-year job. You have to be focused on it. You can't have a ton of time for yourself. And he decided that with some of the new things that have been instituted in the college basketball, it wasn't worth being a coach anymore. And I get it. Do I think he's completely done coaching? No, I, I think it'll co he'll coach in the NBA at some point in a year or two, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely sucks. I mean, he's a good guy, good coach, and he's a respected guy, but now the teams have a shot now and, 
he's not going to own Philly basketball like he has. Yeah, that's that's one of the questions that I had branching off of this. Like, do you think Nova is not going to be Nova anymore? They'll still be very good. I wouldn't yeah. worry too much about that. Yeah, yeah. They they have they have a good culture already, and uh, you know you're still going to want to go there. They're still great. You're recruiting, and they still have great, you know, um, facilities and all that sort of thing. So no, I don't think that's going to matter much. But do you think another Philly area team, such as Temple, maybe LaSalle, no. they won't get better than Nova anytime soon? I don't think. I, I mean, we'll see. I mean, but I don't think Temple's going to return back to the the team they were in the 80s and 90s. I, mm-hmm. I hope. I'd love to see it happen. But uh, I think Villanova for the foreseeable future is that team. Yeah, it's crazy. Actually, when they were showing all the teams making the Final Four this year, I never knew that Temple was in the top five of most wins of college basketball of all time. And I went yeah. to Temple. I had no idea. Game. I had no idea. That's really cool. Yeah. So um, um, you do see him going to the NBA because that's the first thing I thought of when I heard he was retiring. I'm like, what if he's just waiting for Doc Rivers to get fired? He may be. I, I mean, I don't know if it'll be at the Sixers, but yeah, I could see it happening for sure. I mean, he, he could name his price. He could, wouldn't have to move. Yeah, I would. I can definitely see it a couple of years. I mean, it's a new challenge, a new opportunity to win, and it's not going to be as uh, taxing as, as the other job. Yeah, I would love to see him coach the Sixers, man. I would love it. All right. Well, uh, I'll tell you what, Jeff, That's uh, that was a lo- nice, long conversation. Uh, I appreciate you so much for, for chatting with me for so long. Uh, would love to have you on anytime you want. If you want me to set you up with Pat, I will. But, uh, again, Thank you so much. I want to tell the people where they can find you. Yeah, you can just follow me on Twitter at Jeff Nadu. That's that's where all my content is. And uh, check out my podcast to sit down. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks. Oh, thank you.